Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode number 78. It is finally time. We've been waiting for months. We've been thinking about it all summer. It is time for Penn State. We'll have your Nittany Lion preview here on this edition of ITG. I'm Wesley Euler with the best teammates in the business, the signal caller, Jed Drenning, the runaway beer truck in his truck somewhere on the interstate, Owen Schmidt. And, of course, this episode of ITG, as always, brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, your number one source for all of your betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, college football, the NFL right around the corner, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live bets and all your favorite casino and card games available to play right on your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and get in on the action and make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE when you sign up for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B-L-E-A-V at BetOnline, where the game starts. It all starts for the Mountaineers this weekend, fellas. Plenty to get into. But Jed, here's what, you know, we're going to talk key matchups and offense and defense and all these different things, but here was kind of at the forefront of my mind you know um you a lot of times you hear this from college coaches you hear this from from nfl coaches as well too like week one your first game of the season it's more about us than it is about them right it's it's a new year particularly in college football there's so many new fate you know in the nfl there's a lot more roster turnover at least and and, and things like that but you've got new well, coaches on this at least they're used to me. Yeah. You you've got new coaches. You've got a ton of new faces. You've got new quarterbacks, new identities in a lot of ways from just from season yeah. to season. So you always hear that, you know, week one, yeah, we're scouting the other team and we're in, in, installing a game plan and all that. But it's more about us. It's more about our front yard than than checking out what our neighbor is doing. So Jed. If it's going to be about the Mountaineers week one, Saturday night up in a uh, happy Valley in that crazy atmosphere, where does it begin for this team on Saturday? Well, let's start offensively. Let's take a look at West Virginia's offense against Manny Diaz's defense. Uh, and what a great job that he did in his first year last year. You know, we've spent previous, previous episodes talking about so many different times, Neil as a play caller has faced Manny as a play caller five times. We broke that down for you. Uh, we talked about how Neil might be a little more different in what he does with his approach than Manny is over the course of time. Uh, but look, the truth of this is going to be, and I, I wish I had a nickel for every time I've said this in the last couple of weeks, the strength of this team, if we are going to achieve any of our goals, has to necessarily be at the point of attack starting with Zach Frazier and that offensive line. If that's not the strength of this team, it's not going to be much of a year. That's just the way it is. So I think you have to start right there. Now, when you break down what Manny Diaz and company are going to try to do, first of all, they're looking at their front seven. They're, they're very talented on the edges. I mean, Chop Robinson, he is, in fact, a top 15, top 20 talent. That's what he is. Uh, he's, he's a third down nightmare. When you get behind the sticks, he's going to make you pay for it. Uh, Adisa Isaac on the other side, uh, just as athletic almost, but maybe not with quite the burst, but he's an NFL guy. Uh, Danny Dennis Sutton, a bigger guy, more of a run stopper. He's 6'5", 260, the big body out of the group. But they have the ability, when you listen to Manny Diaz talk, they're, they're so deep at all their key spots to rotate in, rotate out, rotate in, rotate out. But what intrigues me more, I mean, first of all, our tackles, it's an opportunity, Owen, for them to earn a paycheck. 
the NFL, all the eyes will be watching Wyatt Milam and Doug Nestor against their edge guys. This is the tape scouts will first go to when evaluating what kind of NFL product Wyatt Milam is going to be, what kind of NFL future Doug Nestor has. So they can pave their way for quite a future and holding their own uh, in this contest against these types of players. I'm almost more intrigued when you get on the interior of our line. Okay. Now, all things working from the inside out to me, obviously it starts with Zach. Uh, Tomas Remack really came on late in the year. You know, we, we've talked a lot about him earning freshman All-American honors. Uh, he's a nasty kid. I remember falling in love with him when I watched his high school tape uh, and hearing the story about his parents and his mom and his upbringing. And it's just, what a great story. Uh, I love that kid just as a nasty football player. Uh, and then the combination we have, we spent the whole offseason trying to see what the sweet spot might be at right guard. Some combination of Brandon Yates and Jaquay Hubbard. So those are guys that kind of a unique skill set for each. They've played tackle, so they can play in space. But they also have the physicality and to some extent the leverage to play on the interior, which is a much different skill set. Now, when you look at Penn State, again, I'm not going to call it a weakness because I don't know that this team has a true weakness. Uh, but one of the questions that they have to answer defensively, and we'll get to their back end, but let's stick right now to their D-line. When you look at their interior, their defensive line, you've got Devon Ellis, you've got Hakeem Beeman, you've got Jordan Vandenberg, who had a tremendous offseason, and Zane Durant. I mean, those are the four top names, but there's a couple other names, again, that come in behind them. Uh, from a size standpoint, you got one 300-pounder in Vandenberg. He's, he's kind of their Eddie V. He's a South African product. Uh, he's a big, brutish kid. Uh, he's 6'3", 310 pounds, and, and he's one of Bruce Feldman's freaks, okay, one of these weight room specimen types, all right? But he's not a starter. He's earned his way up into the two deep with a tremendous offseason, and I've heard Franklin say a lot of positive and, and really glowing things about him in recent weeks. Devon Ellis, Hakeem Beeman, and Zane Durant, some combination of those three are their one and their two. OK, so you're going to see those those guys, some combination of those three uh, crossing swords with the interior of all our offensive line. Now, can Zach Frazier and that pair of guards get the push that they need on the interior D tackles? I mean, I don't see on a true like one gap, three technique disruptor, but I see brute strength kind of guys that can give you problems and hold the point down. Right. So, again, Different challenge on the exterior of what Penn State does defensively. I'm intrigued by what's going to happen on the interior. Now, you got to figure one of the bread and butters of what we do is going to be that stretch play, that outside zone that Owen and I talk about all the time. Well, one of the things that Manny Diaz likes to try and do, he gives you all kind of different looks to try and confuse you because, as we've talked about, I remember in the last game against Oklahoma State of the regular season last year, Jalen Anderson his target point moved about 15 yards as the blockers moved laterally across the field. That's the nature of that play. One of the things Manny Diaz tries to do is confuse the blockers as they move and slip some guys through. But even more than that, he'll try and get an overhang defender from the backside, an athletic defender to chase that thing down as the running back is looking for his hole and trying to pick his spot. And that's one of the many ways that he gets TFLs. I mean, his defense is predicated on what he calls havoc stats sacks tackles for loss incompletions so first of all you got to secure your assignments when you run the stretch play second of all you got to offset what they're going to try and do from the backside. now one of the answers to that is you can run counter which is a gap scheme and you can use that against them 
But that's kind of from a matchup standpoint, what I'm seeing, and that's just from a pure run blocking perspective, what I'm seeing with our O-line against their D-line. Now, factoring into that is going to be, you know, we got a new tight end in Cole Taylor. We got Traylon Davis, had a great offseason, a very physical, brutish kid in his own right. Uh, he's a guy that will toss his body around, put himself in harm's way. Uh, he's a great asset in the run game. So he's going to figure in as well. Now, not only will they figure in in the run game, but you got to figure there's going to be times that we got to chip and help, maybe keep a tight end attached and in to help against Chop Robinson if we fall too far behind the sticks. But I'm going to start with that, and I want you guys to talk in because I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, dominate the whole conversation here. I want your thoughts on let's let's stick kind of the O line against their D line, and then we'll take it from there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, straight up. This game's all about attitude and who we're going to be uh, to start the season. I think we got to come in with a, a strong mindset, which I think the guys have. They've given us this 14th um, ranking in the Big 12. I think that chip needs to go into this game. And it's a it's a nothing-to-lose game. I mean, play your heart out. Uh, get back to real Mountaineer football. Get back to the physicalness, right? And that's what this that's what this this uh, season's about. Uh, actually, is what's going on right now. I am getting uh, I am getting stopped. But... <laughs> In real hey, time. I'm sorry. Oh, I pulled over real quick. I need to move up to the exit. I'm good. Yep. <laughs> this In is real... fantastic. Yeah, sorry, sorry tell you, tell you're taking a phone call. Tell you're taking Brought a phone to call. You by Ford, sorry. You're being responsible. You're pulling over to the side of the road to take a phone Be, call. Yep, exactly. being responsible to take uh, a That's call. That's hilarious. We were joking about hey. that before we started recording, saying Owen's going to have somebody stop and ask him to move. <laughs> yeah, of course he but, is. <laughs> hey, the, when you're in the sticks, man, you got to get – You got to. when it's there, it's there. You got to stop where the good internet's at, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. When, when, hey, county there is where he is. Yeah, when you're, when you're five bars, man, uh, you got to take advantage of it. So no. – uh, Go ahead. For real though, like I, like I said, I, I think it's all about just set setting the tone, man. Playing physical football and uh, and with how our offense, I think this year, like you said, Jed, with this experience up front and the plethora of big backs we got back and 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 some of the guys we have returning, I see no reason why we can't be uh, physical between the tackles. And as far as the spread uh, scheme goes. The zone, uh, look, gap integrity, right? And if we got to bump the counter on them, we got to bump the counter on them to keep them honest. You know what I mean? That's yep. the – hey, look, if you want to take the running back away, that's fine, buddy. That's the that's the beauty of of what we're doing this year with Garrett and, and uh, who, you know, Nico, and, yeah. and Nico. Dude, we're going to pull it and we're going to burn you on the backside. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's, that's the uh, – that's the beauty of what we have this year. We finally have the triple threat going on here. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing really, I hope we just come out gangbusters and, and uh, put that physical nature back into what we're really about, what we're, we're we've kind of lacked in the, in recent years. Yeah. That's a good one. I, I think that's well said. Um, you're, you're right, Jed. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you started here because it, it does feel like, you know, we know we've got some NFL guys on our offensive line. We know they've got some defense or some NFL guys on their defensive line. Part of me, 
that's where it begins. Um, their defensive line needs to be the unit that leads the way for them this season. I think along with their tandem of running backs, I think we'll, we'll probably get into that. That feels like the biggest indicator for me for Penn State this season. If their defensive line dominates like they know they're capable of, if those two running backs who they're talking about, like they're both top 10 running backs in all of college football, uh, and the kid from Minnesota whose name's escaping me right now as well, oh, too. Man. I mean, they – yeah, they, they they talk like they have two of the top 10 and three of the top 25 running backs in all of college football. Um, I think it starts, though, RO line, their D line, a lot of, lot of guys who's, who have the potential to play on Sundays there in those units. Um, and so I, I I think that's a good place to to start by you. Yeah, size-wise, like I said, we mentioned the one 300-pounder in Vandenberg. Not that that matters because the other kids are in the 290s, but they play a lot heavier than that. Uh, but this, I just get the sense that for, for a host of reasons, this is this is a game. Now, it's strange to say this about a kid who was born a decade after the last time we played these guys. This is a game Zach Frazier was born to play. And, and one of the reasons I feel that way, he grew up around people talking about these types of games. Uh, th- this is exactly what he's heard his whole life, even if he never saw one. But not only that, Zach Frazier is nothing if not a competitor at first. I mean, we know all about his success as a wrestler. Uh, the, the leverage that he's blessed with as a result of that. And that's one of the things that make him one of the best centers in America. But the last time we were on the road in an environment like this with a chance to pull an upset at number four, Oklahoma in 2020, Oklahoma's toying with their defensive line, stemming all this movement. They're barking counts out and getting away with it. It was a bad snap. Remember that killed that at drive. The one, at the one yard line, right? Now, again, I'll go to my grave saying that was not Zach Frazier's fault. Fault's not a word I'm going to use there because I don't think Oklahoma should have been allowed to get away with what they were doing. Uh, but on some level, I bet Zach feels that way. And he's a competitor. Sure. And he sure. wants redemption. So I expect him to bounce back with, uh, again, talk about making money for yourself moving forward and what your future is going to look like. He's the guy that is the anchor of this offensive line going against this defensive line that all of college football is talking about at large. So I think that's going to be critical. There's no secret here. Uh, when you look at our ability to run the football a year ago, the difference that that made in our wins, we averaged 240 yards a game. In our losses, we averaged 122 yards a game. It's not hard to figure out, right? Now, what I would even say, we've talked about what the sweet spot might be from a winning formula in the run game. Uh, we, we looked at I remember in the offseason, guys, we looked at it, it's like 175 gives you a really, really good shot under Neil Brown to win right. the football game uh, with a rare exception. If you get 200 yards, you're you're basically beating the drum unbeaten. So uh, I would say 175 is a sweet spot. But, but guys, I got to factor in the Garrett and Nico effect. 175 is a sweet spot with a pocket passer the last five years. You might be pushing two bills if you're playing a 175 style game because the quarterback can make that much of a difference, not just with what he puts on the stat sheet himself, but like Owen said, keeping you honest and making the life of the running back that much easier. You're talking to a guy whose life was made easier by playing with Pat White. (laughs) I mean, knowing how many yards you you turned out over a thousand career yards, how many of those were because somebody was chasing Pat and they had to stay honest, right? So I do think the run game is going to be critical. The run game is going to matter. And as we get into the secondary and the other matchups, We'll talk about down and distance and how each down will be approached differently, but but it all starts with that. It, football is an old-fashioned game, and I, I think if you're going to go on the road in an environment like this, the first thing you absolutely must do is find a way to run the football and dictate the flow of the game. Yeah. Got to set yeah. the tone. Yes. 
I completely agree. I think we're all on the same page in that regard. Uh, all right, Jed, the flip side of that then. I just mentioned, I mean, they they love their stable of running backs. Um, three guys that they think, again, are amongst the best running backs in all of college football. Uh, they've got a left tackle who would have been a top 10, top 15 pick in the NFL draft this year and decided to come back. Um, his parents said they were even surprised by that. Uh, the guy's name's escaping me right now, but I remember hearing Olu, his parents. Mashanu. Mashanu, that's right. Mashanu, I remember hearing yeah. that like his parents were shocked whenever he decided, whenever he said, I'm going back to Penn State because they were like, are you, are you sure? Like, you, you know, it's a tens of millions of dollars that you're waiting a year on for there. You're going to be a top 10, top 15 pick in the NFL draft. So what's the inverse of that as well too, Jed? Because as we all know, they're working in a new court. You know, they they return a lot of experience on that team. That's why they're preseason top 10. But they're also working in a new quarterback for the first time in four years. First game of the season, they're going to want to do the same thing, establish their line of scrimmage on offense, run the football, control the game, minimize any potential for error, right? Kind of insulate their young quarterback in his first ever start as much as they can. So what's the inverse of that, the other side of the coin look like? I like the way you're you're dictating the flow there because what, what, what we can do is – Let's talk about the the big guys in the trenches that way. Now let's talk about the big guys in the trenches they have, and then we'll we'll hit the back end to wrap it up. But but uh, yeah, he's the real deal. Uh, I mean, he's a freak in, in his own right. He's a top five, top ten pick. Uh, the, you know, their left tackle. Uh, now one of the question marks, if you want to call it that, is what they have at right tackle. Uh, there's a kid named Caden Wallace that many project as the starter, but Drew Shouten is also in the running. Uh, they're not quite the player that Fashanu is. They're, they're more road grader types. Uh, when you look on the interior, th these guys all have size. They all have physicality, and they can all do things in space. I mean, there's a reason that they've elevated themselves to the point of starting uh, for a Big Ten football team like this and a good one. Uh, when you're looking at their guards, you got Landon Tingwell. Uh, he's the same size as their tackle, right? Uh when you look at their center, now this is what's different. A year ago, that center was the guy who kind of directed traffic. They lost him, and they moved Hunter Norzad to that spot. But he's a battle-tested kid. They're expecting big things out of him. Sal Wormley at guard. I mean, these guys are all 320, 317, 324. So size, athleticism, all those pieces. And the biggest thing is this. We talked about how our tight ends play into our O-line. Their tight ends, guys, it's almost – I almost feel like we were playing some of those better Iowa State offenses when they had those those group-like tight ends, that 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 trio of giants, right? I mean, they these guys got a guy named Theo Johnson that's 6'6", at least 260. He might even be 264, 265, runs in the 4'5 range. So he is a legit passing threat. Uh, he's a matchup nightmare. They'll move him around. They'll try and get some opportunities in the throw game with him. Right behind him is Tyler Warren, almost the same size. Maybe he doesn't run quite as well. But to me, one of the things I want to see, I mean, obviously, we don't take nearly as many chances as what Manny Diaz does from a, from a bring-the-house standpoint. But we will chop up the front and try and confuse you. So we're going to test their communication. They do have a new center. That's something to keep an eye on. All communication starts right there at the center, right, Owen? So... That's something to keep an eye on. But when you mix those tight ends into the game, one of my questions is, and, and I think this is a Mike Yurcich offensive coordinator for Penn State question. I mean, he he maximizes his personnel. One of the things since he became 
an FBS O coordinator at Oklahoma State back in 2013. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years since Gundy plucked him out of Shippensburg at the D2 level, but he has been magnificent at every stop. I mean, as coordinators go, he's averaged more yards per play than any other coordinator at the Power 5 level. Uh, his scoring per game's right up there. You don't do that by accident. That's very much by design, by maximizing your personnel. So question one. Uh, now we'll get into some more technical football terms. We'll talk personnel groupings, right? 11 personnel. When you call personnel groupings, it always starts with how many running backs, how many tight ends, okay? So obviously we're going to see a lot of 11 personnel out of them uh, because then by default you have five positions that you're talking about. So by default, that leaves three receivers. My question is how much 12 personnel are we going to see? And I get the sense that we might see quite a bit. Part of it might be how do they approach when they look out at Spear, Again, they're used to seeing a DB-type body out there to spear. But now, don't look now, but a former Nittany line himself in Lance Dixon. A linebacker, a converted will linebacker, is now going to be setting the edge to the field, uh, to the formation. So what are they going to do when they look at that? Are they going to look at that and say, okay, that's more of a run-stopping run defender? Uh, that's one more reason to go 12 personnel because, once again, we can get kind of cute and creative with, with our formations and motions and, and set the table for an opportunity to throw against that. Uh, I, I mean, that's one of the things that intrigues me is how, what's their answer to Lance Dixon? And then, you know, we can toy with things. Again, if we went on early downs, and start moving our guys around. Now you can move a true defensive back down to that spot as opposed to a linebacker type. So that's going to be the cat and mouse of what you do. But no matter how you stack it, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, they're both going to be nightmares. You talked about the two running backs or even the three running backs, Wes. T to me, the, the fundamental difference between this Penn State team and Penn State teams of the last couple decades even and this is strange to say when you look to consider the Penn State teams that I grew up watching in the 70s and 80s and even 90s. But for the last 20 years, what they've lacked is a bona fide, tried and true, nasty offensive line. They just haven't had it. They haven't had five guys that could put their hand in the dirt and just move bodies. And, and this is the first time I would argue that they probably do. So I think that's one of the many reasons Penn State's excited about their opportunities. Yeah. And the way I look at this, guys, they're going to have their yards. They're going to make their plays. I mean, you're not going to completely shut down and bottle up these two and three backs. They're just, they're too talented. The offensive line's too good. You can confuse them and give them looks, but sometimes it's will against will. Those guys are going to be in space. They're going to make plays. We have to tackle in space incredibly well. You hear all the talk coming out of, out of camp about how we've tackled more than we have in any camp in five years. We're more physical. Tackling matters. What it, It's never mattered more than it will this week in Happy Valley. So it starts with that but understanding that they're going to have their yards and make their plays. One of these two offenses, whether it's us or whether it's them, I see one of these two offenses doing a couple things. Running the football effectively enough to then set the table for your unproven younger quarterback to max protect, simplify the routes. Because if, when you start effectively running the football, what happens? They got to drop resources into the box. Okay. And when you look at what Penn State will do defensively when you start effectively running the football, Manny Diaz has shown many times when you start running and, and lean on him, he'll throw all kind of resources in the box. That's what when you revisit that 2013 Texas at BYU game, I went back and watched that multiple times this summer. How BYU ran for 550 yards against Manny Diaz's Texas defense and got him fired the next morning was what I just said. 
Taysom Hill at 259. He was getting frustrated. He's throwing box or numbers at the box. They're missing run fits. They're not shedding blocks. And meanwhile, BYU's just making their way with gashing and plays and just getting chunks. So one of these teams is going to run the football effectively enough to get you to drop resources. And then they're going to max protect with simple coverages on the back end with those resources now downhill. Max protect and throw a three-man route at you with that quarterback with one simple read and a launch downfield and make a play on it. So the question is, will we beat them to the punch and be that team? Or are they going to run the football effectively enough to simplify life for their, un their untested quarterback, and will they beat that team? So when I look at the run game out of Penn State, that's one of the questions I have and how it interlinks to the run game for West Virginia. I'm talking with J.R. Toothman of Toothman Ford. J.R., everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick, instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got a lot of fans. Here's another one. QB Will Greer. This is Will Greer, a former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback. And cars really do cost less than Grafton and Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online anytime at ToothmanFord.com. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at InTheGunPodcast. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. There you go. Um, I guess the really the two cents I got to add on that is, you know, kind of talking about I haven't been too worried about as as so much the running back play. I mean, really, this comes down to defensive line for me um, and and they just got to show up for us. Uh, you know, we, we know they're we're going to have our hands full. I think seeing the, the backs, I mean, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're good backs, but we're also seeing a lot of that in practice, too. Mm -hmm. You know, so so I think it just it's really going to, you know, obviously what Jed kind of said about, you know, who's really going to run the ball first, who's going to establish the dominance. Um, and, and and that's going to be, you know, the who the one who sets the tone for the game, just like you said, Jed. And what else are we seeing in practice, guys? Our D line. Well, you seen a you tell us you've been there. Line, right. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's yeah, what that's, I mean. yeah. So it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's going to be good matchup, just like we said. I mean, 
overs D Devers. So now we're gonna really see who who is the elite uh, of the elite out there. Well, we are all good of it. I, I take the floor here, but remember in the 2012 West Virginia win at Texas. You even saw a bit of it then when Andrew Andrew Bowie went for two bills, right? Yes, he did. So yeah, if, if you start getting a little bit and making your way, start looking for safeties to populate that box, and the next thing you know, you got opportunities, NFL corners or not, that makes life more difficult for them. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? That's another thing too. Um, Penn State lost some NFL corners last year, namely Joey Porter Jr., a name that uh, the NFL fans, of course, will recognize, the son of Joey Porter Sr. Uh, Super Bowl champion with the Steelers and one of the more uh, colorful personalities in the NFL during his time in the league. Uh, before we talk about the back end and the secondary and the wide receivers, I did want to ask you this, Big O, before I forget. Uh, 20 and a half point dogs, right, are the Mountaineers. And that's a big number, right? I mean, I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I know you guys were underdogs a couple times when you were there. I mean, Sugar Bowl against Georgia, Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma. I don't know if you guys were three touchdown dogs, but you were certainly underdogs. But what's that? You know, for a big number like that week one, you mentioned earlier, right, when when we were talking about the the trenches earlier on, the 14 thing and how we've kind of talked about you've been picked 14th out of 14 and the Charles Wesley Godwin, right, use that as motivation, 14, yeah. 14, 14. Well, before we get to big 12 play now, you're three touchdown underdogs to, you know, to, to Penn State. What's the mentality? What's the message? What's that do to a locker room, to a group when you are that? I mean, you're not 10-point underdogs. You're not 14-point underdogs. You're, you're three touchdown dogs. How's that permeate the locker room? Well, for myself, if that doesn't piss you off, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? They, that's the chip. That's the chip, man. That's the underdog chip. And like I said, if you're not coming into this game ready to just kick ass, you know, everything is in your favor. No, Nobody's expecting anything out of you right now. So going out there, putting yourself out on a limb, showing the people, being confident, you know, some things back to like the uh, Charles speech. I, I think people forgot who we were. And I think even the team kind of forgot who we were, right? Uh, we are a blue-collar mentality um, state for one. Uh, and I obviously know not all these kids are from this state and that's not what it is, but that's what you embody. That's what you ad adapt when you come play for West Virginia. And uh, that's, that's what we need to show, man. I know that stuff seems so rah, rah and uh, you know, cliche, whatever, but I'm telling True. you right now, when you, when you hit a man for four quarters, you're going to see what his, what his guts are. You're going to see what he's made of. He's either going to be that dude. All right, or, or or you're gonna find out real quick. He ain't that dude. You know what I mean? You're not and that guy, like, pal. No, you're not that guy. And 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 we have to establish that right away. Kind of like how H H P Blades found out on a cold winter night in Morgantown <laughs> against Owen Schmidt, brother. No, that's, that's absolutely right. Listen, it is cliched in a way, but it's also true. Yeah, it's the truest thing the ever. Look man. I mean, that's football. When you see a Chop Robinson. We know what Chop Robinson is when it's third and eight. And that's why he's going to be making millions of dollars and taking as high as he is in the NFL draft. But what's Chop Robinson if you punch him in the mouth on first and 10, second and <laughs> six, and you do that for three and a half quarters? Is he the same Chop Robinson with five minutes to go to the game in, on third and eight? Maybe not, to Owen's point. And, and I think the reason 
the reason it pisses you off and the reason it frustrates you because all week long or even to some extent all summer long we've heard Penn State from every level whether it's Franklin you'll see some some things slip through the cracks with his coach speak you'll hear you know their their play-by-play guy you, every person out of Penn State's camp has no respect right and what pisses you off is why would they because <laughs> right. what they know of course mm-hmm. they don't and that pisses you off we we made our bed now we're sleeping in it now you're trying to make it differently. And, you know, this is one of those games, and, and Owen, you nailed it right there. If you punch a guy and mash a guy for four quarters, that changes who he is. Like, like basically what we're doing, guys, is we're facing a, a prize fighter that's known for knocking you out in the first or second round. This is Mike Tyson in his, in his prime, right? And how do you beat Mike Tyson in his prime? Well, what Buster Douglas do? He avoided the knockout in the first round, avoided the knockout in the second round. By the third round, just hang in there. Just hang in there. Mike Tyson, by the fourth round, he's like, what's going on? Just hang around. The longer you hang around, but that's the, the that's the recipe for first to them. That's the recipe it's for every underdog, right? Is just it just is. stay in the just stay in the game. First quarter, absolutely stay in the game. Second quarter, stay in the game. It's halftime, we're in the game. Third quarter, stay in the game. Fourth quarter, you look up and there's five minutes left and it's a one possession game. I mean, that's yeah, that's the recipe. You ball, you break a run, you block a kick, you you do something. Anybody in history that shocked the world, that's how they've shocked the world. And we'll yeah. get into some of the keys that we're going to look at at the very end after we talk about the back end and whatnot, the matchups. But but anybody that has ever stepped into an environment like this as a heavy underdog has done all those things we just said. And they did it with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, no I doubt. Mean, oh, we were five and seven, right? I mean, why would Penn State? I mean, Penn State, in other words, this is a matchup, guys between one team complaining because we were preseason 14th in our conference and another team complaining because they're preseason number seven in the nation. They're claiming they don't have respect because, oh, what are you doing putting us at seven? You know, that's the matchup. I mean, there is no greater. I mean, first of all, we talked about, I tweeted early this week, the David versus Goliath quote, right? Uh, <laughs> I love it from Hoosiers. I, I, I love the whole deal. It, it was perfect timing. And, and, and the Hoosiers, when, you know, when, when they pulled the upset, what happened. But it's so fitting. And, and the beauty of it is Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book about this. All the reasons, when you get really under the hood and look at it, all the reasons that David really shouldn't have been the underdog. All the, all the things in that matchup actually favored David, not Goliath. Goliath. If you looked closely enough and scrutinized it closely enough, had more things working against him than <laughs> this you is realized. what Jed does in his the free time. Philistine did, yeah. Malcolm I mean, serious, dude. This, you know, he I mean, an, Jed, he you're right. Listen, analyzed it way hard. But I, I think this this gets back to like where I started with this too. Is you're right. It pisses you off that nobody thinks we have a chance, including Penn State, and and their and you know what? It's funny. Penn State fans have actually been very receptive and our videos and our previews and your yeah, Manny Diaz right. episode. So I'm sure Hello there's a lot of Penn State. Thank you. Hello, yeah. Penn Yeah, we appreciate you guys and your kind comments. You guys are loving we have on no Jed. Chance. We have you guys no are loving chance. on Jed. But I'm sure you probably most of you probably think we have no chance too. That's fine. But the part that pisses you off more is you can understand why, as you mentioned, back to back, back to back losing seasons. Uh Jed, I don't know if this has come up in your research because I was looking at this earlier. The Mountaineers are six and sixteen in road games under Neil Brown. It, it ain't great. One in five, one in five last year on the road. So a lot of, again, full circle. Like I get it, but it gets back to what I was saying. 
every year in football more than any other sport, and particularly in college football now in this NIL transfer portal era, it is such a year-to-year game. Look at the NFL, right, where half the teams that make the playoffs one year don't make it the next year, where you have teams that went like a few years ago, the 49ers went from two wins to being in the Super Bowl and losing at the very end of the Chiefs and, and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, football is a such a year-to-year game. Every sport is in its own regard, certainly, but especially football, especially college football. Um, and you've got an opportunity to go out there and, and, and ruffle some feathers and, and maybe uh, shake that tree a little bit and surprise not only Penn State fans, not only some of the national pundits, but some of our own fan base as well, too. So, What, what would you think if a Penn State fan came out and you heard him saying, I'll tell you what, with what I see in West Virginia, ooh, we're going to have our hands full. I, I don't know. We better not, oh, wow. It's, there's, there's all kind of matchup nightmares I there. Would say, I, I'd be thinking, I would what, say, are you, what are you looking at? I would at? say my brother, in Christ, my brother in Christ, break it down for me <laughs> yes. here. I mean, what am I, say, what am I missing? Hey, Mr. Nostradamus, come on, bring, it, bring more, you know, so – are you are you telling me Garrett Green's gonna be uh, Pat White dipped in Rasheed Marshall out here? I mean, is that what we got going on? <laughs> I mean, it's really from the outside looking in, they have no reason to say anything other than exactly what they've said. And, and Jed, I mean, didn't they? They won like their last five or six straight games to close out the year last year. With like their they... most impressive win being the last one. What's yeah. the knock on Franklin Ben? He beats everybody Can't, he should. He beats but everybody should. except for right. And that Utah winning the Rose Bowl. They went and beat Utah. Yeah, yeah, really good Utah team. So it'll be. Uh, I tell you what, it's week one as always. It's Forrest Gump. It's a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. But uh, a lot of people think they know what they're going to get in this one. Before we get to some of those uh, final back end. Uh, matchup previews. A thank you to our friends at Toothman Ford. We all know cars cost less in Grafton. Listen, get you a truck in Grafton, all right? Fill that thing up in the back with chips because we all got chips on our shoulder, right? And drive your butt out there to, to, to Happy Valley. Uh, all right, Jed, back end, wide receivers, DBs, as we start to round this thing out, what you got for us? Uh, well, let, let's start with West Virginia. There's there's so many unknowns. Again, if you're Penn State, looking in at this, you're thinking, we don't even know who you're going to roll out there with, right? You lost basically your whole room. So what are the matchups? What are the, what's going to be critical there? But there's no doubt about it. They might've, they might've lost Joey Porter, to be honest with you. I think the safety they lost was just as big a hit. The guy playing yep. for the Niners. Yep. Uh, he was really the the straw that stirred that back end drink for them last year. He was a player, number 16. I'm, I, I've been watching tape on Penn state all summer and 16. I think there's four of them on that defense, right? But uh, with what they have coming back, it all starts with Kalen King. He's as advertised. He is absolutely as advertised. I mean, he is gifted with that unique skill. I always say, to me, the hardest two things to do in sports are hit a major league pitch and cover a guy in space in football with no help. Those are the two hardest things. Completely agree. Completely. And he has that knack. He has that God-given ability, but he also has worked at it to refine it. He's a true lockdown corner, and he's going to play at the next level for a long time. Now, as tackling goes, I'm not going to call him a good tackler or efficient tackler, but he is an aggressive tackler. Man, I mean, Owen, you ought to watch him on tape fire downhill and blow up a perimeter screen. Just, I mean, he leaves nothing to chance. Like Ohio State tried to run this bubble screen, two-on-one blocking. He split those two like the Red Sea and just blew it up for a two-yard loss. I mean, he's physical. He's not afraid. He's fearless. Johnny Dixon's the other corner. Uh, when you look at the nickel spot, this is where it starts to get intriguing. We talked about the potential size that we're going to roll out in that slot position. 
Okay, when we do have Massey on the field, you're talking about a guy who's 6'5", 240. Now, there's other kids who are going to play at different spots. We're going to be rotating bodies in and out. I mean, you're going to play six to eight receivers, West Virginia is. But when you have a guy like Massey that's 6'5", 240, a, a couple things to consider here, guys. Curtis Jacobs is their sandbacker, okay, but he also moves around and plays some other spots. He's legit. I mean, that dude is an old school linebacker with will linebacker speed that can play just about anywhere. He's he's 6'1", 235, plays like he's 250. Okay. Uh, so if you see him on the field and he's apexing the slot or even he's out over top of the slot, that's one thing from a matchup standpoint for Massey. But their nickel back, when they go nickel, it's Daquan Hardy. He's 5'9", a buck 78. I don't know that they want that on the field facing Massey. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, but they have a lot of faith in the depth that they have on this back end. And that's why they'll use this prowler package, they call it. Uh, the prowler package being we've talked in the past about what Baylor does. Baylor will trick you into thinking they're bringing a six or seven man pressure. But then post snap, a couple of those guys will bail and it'll be a four or five man pressure. Meanwhile, what happens is you've completely wasted one or two of your blocking resources. You might have five offensive linemen or a tight end or even a back. You might have a five or six man protection. Well, two of those guys are blocking air because they got the guy they thought they were blocking right after the snap is now dropping into a hook zone, right? So you didn't see that coming and he'll overload you from the other side. What's that do? First of all, it creates pressure with very talented NFL style pass rushers and he's outnumbering you. But he also has resources on the back end to hold up coverage and make the quarterback flinch and hesitate and give those guys more time to get home. So it's very nightmarish. Uh, so what I look at here, guys, is this is all about winning on first down. And we've talked about that to some extent in previous episodes, but Manny Diaz builds his defense around first down success. And you can even attach some numbers to that. Uh, first of all, Penn State had, they forced 228 incompletions. They're very good. They don't give you a lot of easy access throws. So they're very good at forcing a, a high number of incompletions. And in addition to that, they had 104 tackles for loss. So they're among the national leaders in all these categories. So that's 332 plays right there. It's crazy. That you're either moving backwards or you're not moving at all. That is, that's now, crazy. Here's where it's critical. 85 of those incompletions came on first down. They held the opposition to a national best 50.3 completion percentage on first down. So that's a lot of incompletions on first down, which sets the table for a lot of second and tens. What's downstream from second and 10? Third and eight, third and nine. His defense is predicated on getting you that far behind the sticks and then throwing one of these creeper pressures at you one of these prowler packages at you, one of these these sim pressures where he doesn't necessarily have to bring everybody. He's not a true zero guy that often. I mean, he has that that reputation, but that's somewhat misleading. He's kind of found a way to get the best of both worlds, much like Dave Miranda looks like pressure, outnumbers you on one side, but next thing you know, he has six or seven guys in coverage. How do you do that? Well, that's how he does that. So that's why it's going to be critical to win on those early downs. Now, when you look, the good news is this, when you look at West Virginia on first down a year ago, we averaged, and again, the lion's share of this was with a pocket passer at quarterback without Garrett or Nico, right? We averaged 5.5 yards per carry on first down, which was our best down of any. So I think part of the strategy has to be you fall back on the old saying, you don't go broke making a profit. Second and eight's better than second and 10 against this guy, right? So if you make any kind of profit on first down by establishing the ground game, 
and and then you can have a chance to win on second down. Now you're setting the table for a much more manageable third now because yep. you don't want to fall behind the sticks with this guy. So that that's a big part of it. And from a matchup standpoint, we're going to have to have some opportunities against some of these guys in the screen game. And I talked about the physicality of Kalen King. Well, they're all physical on that back end. They all play downhill. They all fly. They're very they're very good at reading tendencies and reacting accordingly. So they'll fly downhill. So I think it's going to be incumbent. One, we have to emerge and see who's going to step up in game one as pass catchers, Devin Carter on down the line. But we also have to see who's going to hold their own and sustain those incredibly critical blocks on maybe a first down bubble screen. Because I've seen too many times on tape, they first, you as a play caller, you call a bubble screen on first down, you're thinking, oh, worst case scenario, second and seven. Might be second and three. Who knows, right? Sometimes against Penn State, it's second and 12. Yep. So here you go. You're already off script. So that's what you don't want. And again, when you look at the matchups, that's a matchup that intrigues me. And if you want to flip the script, one of the question marks against another question mark, they lost the strength of their pass game on the perimeter last year. In other words, their go-to guys in the receiver room were Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley. They also lost Brendan Strange. Uh, Parkersburg native, who's an NFL tight end playing for the Jaguars now. Yep. But we talked about the targets they have in that tight end room returning. They're plenty dangerous. The question is, what do they do on the perimeter? They have some candidates. I mean, this kind of tells you, like, Dante Cephas, who played in the MAC with Ja'Shawn Pope, with Montre Miller. They played together for four years. They're very familiar with each other. He was one of the most heralded receivers in the portal the whole offseason. He's really struggled. He showed up in the summer. He hasn't had much of a camp. Uh, based on all the reports coming out of there, he's trying to work his way in, but not quite yet. So he's not what they thought he might be, but they do have Liam Clifford uh, at the slot. They have Harrison Wallace, uh, a very sturdy kid on the perimeter. Uh, I think their playmaker returning, if they had to lean on somebody out of the gate, is going to be Keandre Lambert-Smith. He did some things for him down the stretch last year on the outside on the perimeter. But again, our questions on the back end with those four fresh faces, all transfers, who's going to emerge? Yep. I mean, if, are we going to hit on a couple of those transfers or do you miss on all four of those transfers? To me, that will dictate the fate of this defense because we've talked in the past about we run a ro- we want to rotate on the defensive line. You talked about how critical it's going to be for the D-line, Owen. We, run, we want to rotate seven, eight, even nine deep. Well, you can't just do that for the sake of doing it. Some of those guys have skill sets as pass rushers. Some are 300-pound run stoppers. Well, guess what? Last I checked, if Penn State forces you to a bunch of third and twos, you got to keep your run stoppers on the field. You can't give them a blow. So we got to knock them off schedule while we're staying on schedule. And if you look at the ways that we can maybe do that offensively, you can frustrate Manny Diaz sometimes with motions and different looks and those perimeter screens. And if there's a weakness or if there's a kryptonite to what he does defensively, it might be the RPO game. Uh, in other words, forcing those defenders downhill and filling that void with a receiver, but, but they got the cover guys to get the best of both worlds. He's talked about when, when you look at the, the transformation of, of how you had to play defense since he took over as a defensive play caller a decade and a half, 20 years ago, he's like, it used to be, if you set your front up accordingly and you were sound in your run fits and you had your numbers, right. Then it just became a battle of wills and the tougher guy wins. He said, but now you have to set your, your defense up to yes, be, horizontally sound with all your run fits but now because of the rpos you have to be vertically sound from a coverage standpoint so there's going to be times that we're going to have to win some matchups in the rpo game and make them pay for it but that 
if I had one thing that I, I'm really going to be intrigued to see, how does our new face secondary with Aubrey Burks leading the way that's not a fresh face at all, I do feel very comfortable with him at center field against their receivers who lost their key guys as well. They mm-hmm. lost a lot of their room. We lost a lot of our room. Now they have the the tight ends to figure into that to help them out, but that's a very intriguing matchup for me. And that might be, you know what, oh, that might be the you're able to establish their line of scrimmage in the run game. Um, you know, both sides of the football, you're able to limit what Penn State wants to do on the ground there. That could be a big X factor for WVU if they're able to maybe, maybe they do have a little bit of an advantage in the secondary. We lost his audio. I think, oh, wait, oh, and I think you're muted. <laughs> Dang myself, I muted myself. Um, <laughs> working off script here. No, absolutely, I agree 100%. Uh, that's just, you know, it, it is a, it's going to be a game of wills, mm-hmm. right? And we got to play sound football. The things, the things I'm looking for, eliminate the mistakes from last year, right? Those, those stupid, um, you know, procedure penalties, and, you know, pr- procedure penalties, the, the personal foul penalties. Let's not, yeah, kill per- you're right. There. Personal fouls killed us in that pit opener last year. You know, just let's, let's control the emotions. And, uh, you know, th- that's what I'm looking for. I just want to sound, sound play, man. Sound tough play. This is, this is a great quest for us. Uh, the first game of the season. It absolutely is. It doesn't get much uh, much stiffer of a test than this week one in that kind of environment in a night game on the I mean, yeah. right, like doing us no favors. I mean, we, uh, we've talked about this, but we had to go to Pitt at a, at a nighttime holiday weekend game, you know, the one time in the, the blue moon that those fans get up for a college football game. We had to go to Virginia <laughs> Tech at night in primetime. We had to go to Penn State at night. I mean, can we get a noon kickoff at one of these places, please, <laughs> on the Houston. Houston, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, they're not they're not quite a hundred and ten thousand white clad Nittany Lions. I'm just saying, but... you got to play Houston. You really have to take their best shot on a Thursday night, right? Come on, but but I, oh, I again, though, as long guys. as as long as fair is fair, as long as we get Penn State in prime time next year in Morgantown, Absolutely. like we're getting with Pitt, we will like complain. we did with Tech. You know, that's right. Uh, yeah, we, we got them we in the get night Tech game. at noon, the and, they get, yeah. and they get us at yeah. night. Yeah, exactly. We need to flip that advantage. So. Uh, I'm going to close with this, guys. Owen, you talked about that being one of the critical elements that you're looking to. It is a battle of the wills. Uh, Look, it's almost growing. We're exhausting this whole running game thing. We know that's true, right? So I'm going to skip right past that, and I'm going to say this. What do we got to do to win this football game? To shock the world, first of all, believe we can. And I I know the people in that building building believe they can, all right? Uh, There's obviously an opportunity to do some things here. But you have to make your those opportunities. I think what we have to do, you're playing a team that defensively, we talked about, they're better than anybody in the country at forcing you into third and long. So even if you go into the most efficient and sound plan to avoid third and longs, you're still going to find yourself in a handful. Well, what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to have some heroes on third and long. you got to win two of them. I think if you win two third and longs, Give me a third and eight where somebody wins a 50-50 ball on the back end. Give me a third and nine where a quarterback makes somebody miss and with his feet moves the sticks. That can change the dynamic of the rest of that quarter that you're in. When you steal a third and long, that has such an impact on a football game. So against a team that lives and dies on getting you into third and long, break their spirit by stealing at least two of those. I think that's one thing that's critical. 
Defensively, again, it's always boring to me when people talk turnovers. Of course, you got to win the turnover battle. You got to be sound with the football and find a way, unlike last year, to steal a couple possessions by forcing some turnovers. Talk about those guys in the back end that are all new. They all had one thing in common when they came into the portal. They play the ball when it's in the air. Let's see if that has an impact and translates into game one. But I think what's critical to me defensively and offensively to some extent, can we win in the red zone? If these games, you don't lose in the red zone and shock the world in a game like this. When we won last year defensively, we allowed 43% touchdowns in the red zones. When we lost, we allowed 79%. So we know Penn State with this big play offense is going to get in the red zone, okay? Once they do, get them to settle for three. Force them to settle for something less than a touchdown more often than we do. One of the things Mike Yurcich talks about, he talks about, look, First down is about efficiency. That means four yards or more. Second down is about cutting it in half. But second and eight, I want third and four. 50% of the time, I want to do those things. Knock them off script and keep them out of the red zone maybe a couple times that they otherwise might get there. But when they do get there, you got to find ways to squeeze it. The field shrinks. Play that to your advantage and make those stops. Offensively, once we get in there, let's use those athletic quarterbacks to our advantage and make something happen in the red zone when the field shrinks and those windows get tighter. Let's make something happen in the run game. Okay, so winning in the red zone from a scoring standpoint. And then finally, once again, special teams. If you're plus one in big plays on special teams, I don't know that you can have an upset without doing that. So I don't care if you block a punt. I don't care if you block a field goal. I don't care if you break a return. When's the last time we said that? We got all these new faces in the return game. And, and not only that, but when you look operationally at Penn State, we have everybody back. We have our punter back. We have our holder back. We have our snapper back, okay? We're replacing our kicker. But operationally, everybody's back. So we should be sound, knock on wood, from an operation standpoint. They're replacing all those guys. So is their timing off just enough in game one that the first time those bullets fly, maybe Del Greco slides in there and gets a hand on one? Maybe. So mm-hmm. if we can be plus one with a major play in special teams. Hey, C.J. Donaldson did it last year in the opener. C.J. Donaldson did it last yep. year. Mario Mario Alford did it a decade ago against Alabama against in Alabama. the opener. So, guys, that, that's what I'm looking at. I mean, those are the types of things, if I wanted to itemize it with steering clear of the painfully obvious things, run game turnovers, those are the types of things I'm looking at to give yourself a chance. And, you know, those guys in that locker room know. And, and, and you know, I've told some of them. I'm like, look, if you want to wake up on Sunday morning as a god for the rest of your life, beat Penn State on Saturday night because you will be immortalized in the state of West Virginia for the rest of your living days until you take your final breath on this earth. And that is what stands before them. This is an opportunity. That's what this is, a tremendous opportunity. We nearly pulled it off in Oklahoma three years ago. This is another opportunity to go in an environment like that and pull it off and shock the world. Nobody expects anything. So let's go. Picked you, yeah. picked you a good one, didn't I? Yeah, he did. He did all right. <laughs> I tell you what, this has been fun. A big O in like the last hour or so. He's gone from a brightly lit uh, <laughs> side of the road there to the sun's going down now and it's getting darker. So we do need to wrap this up because I don't want to put big O in danger. Jed, you nailed it with all those things. One more thing that I'll add to you because, again, like we talked about again at the start of this, rightfully so i'm not saying it's it's unwarranted but rightfully so there's a lot of hype around this team a lot of man just um optimism amongst penn state fans and in happy valley that this could be the you know we've had some really good seasons but this could be the year that we're the the big 10 team that's competing for the college football playoff that's a true top 10 top 5 type team 
They know that. They feel that. They expect that in that locker room as well, too. Make them sweat it out a little bit. Make those guys get. Make those guys look around in the middle of the third quarter and the end of the third quarter and think, Absolutely. "Hey, you, you know what? This isn't as easy as we thought it was going to be." Oh man, we can't lose this game to start the season at home. Make all those fans, a hundred and nine, hundred and ten thousand of them, in their white, waving their pom poms, zombie nation, doing the wave that splits and moves and all these different things that we talked about. Make those fans sitting there thinking. Man, it's the end of the third quarter, and this is a one-score game. I wanted to be on the road by now because I got a two-hour drive to get home, and it takes me forever to get out of here in Happy Valley. I was hoping to be on the road by now, and this game would be over. Man, West Virginia's really hanging in here. Get that anxiety induced in that stadium and amongst that team. That man, maybe this isn't as easy as we thought it was going to be. Man, I was hoping to be, you know, hit the road by the end of the third quarter. I, Penn State, where they were picking out their honeys in the student section by the by the end of the third quarter. Right? <laughs> um. If As you, a guy you, West that likes to, you live can do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you with this again. Exploring last year, Middle Tennessee State, 22 and a half point underdog, beat Miami. Arizona, 20 and a half point underdog, beat top 10 UCLA. Georgia Southern with our guy Anthony Wilson, by the way. Okay, my new favorite safety, 23 and a half point underdog in Lincoln, Nebraska, beat Nebraska. South Carolina, 22 and a half point dog against number five Tennessee, blew them out. Uh, and oh, by the way, of course, we've said this many times. We'll say it again. 2017, the upset of the year, the Troy Trojans as a 29 underdog, just like LSU, this, went to a ranked LSU in Baton Rouge and knocked them off. So from a matchup standpoint, that was very unfavorable. But this wouldn't be the strangest thing in history. This is a very good Penn State football team. And it wouldn't be the first time in the history of West Virginia that we've beaten a very good football team. One of the guys that's been a part of that a number of times is right here on this Zoom call. Certainly is, and hopefully we'll be a part of uh, breaking down a big victory next week as well. You guys already know, win, lose, or draw. I always say that they can't tie. It's college football, but you get the point. We'll be here uh, next week to break it all down for you, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between, as we uh, finally, we made it, and we've got some college football uh, kicking off. You got a, a juicy one last night. Between uh between Florida and Utah in a big slate this weekend, uh you see that because we're recording this before Thursday. I made the guys laugh because that game hasn't happened well yet. Played. But by the time you listen to this well podcast, played. that game, wow! Can you guys believe that Florida Utah game? How about that? Huh? That was pretty crazy oh. on Thursday night. <laughs> Actually, that um, how about it? How about it? It's uh it's it's all back. It's finally here. We made it. Football has returned. Give your give your wives, give your children your uh, two-week notice and tell them that you're not going to be available for the next few months because the old gold and blue are on the airwaves, baby. Thanks to our guy Skyler for producing this for us as always and to uh, the signal caller and the beer truck as well. The one thing that we ask of you is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. For Jed and Owen, I'm Wesley Euler. Take care, everybody. Happy holiday weekend. Safe travels. If you're going to Happy Valley, if you're going to the lake house with the family, whatever it might be, enjoy that kind of last weekend of summer. And uh, let's get things going Saturday night in what's going to be a raucous environment out there in Happy Valley. For Jed and Owen, once again, I said this already, but I'm Wesley Euler, and you've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.